Joining us here for the news briefing is Ha Mi Sorang. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. Uh, so let's have a, a bit of a continuation from uh, what we're talking about in the opening. And some of the details are still spotty, but uh, mm-hmm. what we have confirmed so far, at least according to the defense ministry, is that it is apparent that North Korea soldiers uh, shot and uh, you can call it cremated or burned mm-hmm. a missing South Korean official earlier this week, right? Right. So the missing person in question is a 47-year-old official working for the Ministry of Ocean and Fisheries. Now, if we draw a timeline of events based on intelligence, on Monday morning, the South Korean official went missing. He had disappeared while on duty aboard an inspection boat in waters off western border island of Yeonpyeong. Colleagues found his shoes on the boat, and an intensive search operation was conducted but failed to find him. The following day on Tuesday afternoon, sailors of a North Korean vessel, they spotted the missing South Korean official in waters 3 to 4 kilometers north of the northern limit line near Tungsan Cape. This is around 38 kilometers away from where he first went missing. The official was wearing a life jacket and relying on an unidentified floating item. North Korean soldiers, they, North Korean sailors rather, they put gas masks on and questioned the missing South Korean from a distance. According to a JCS Joint Chief of Staff's official, the South Korean is said to have expressed his intent to defect to the north. Around five hours later, North Korean soldiers aboard their vessel shot the South Korean official before pouring oil over his body and setting it aflame. The JCS believes this was done in accordance with orders from its superior authority. Right. So uh, that's the broad outline of the mm-hmm. details that we have known and have been coming in over the past few days. And so uh, m- much of this is through intelligence reports that have come out. And uh, I think yesterday was a dramatic day because the uh, defense ministry actually officially now yes. confirmed that mm-hmm. they believe that uh, uh, those reports are indeed the case of what happened to this official. You're going to go later on into some of the more speculative aspects yeah. of what people um, think about this situation. But um, a couple of things, and again, if we uh, take these facts at face value from mm-hmm. what we know so far, is that uh, this official was killed by North Korean soldiers. It does not appear, and it's evidenced by the fact that the, the shoes were found on the boat, that he was not going there under duress, meaning that there was nobody oh, yeah. coercing mm-hmm. or forcing mm-hmm. him to go. He wasn't kidnapped or captured or, mm-hmm. or, or that situation. So it does intend that there was an intentional um, movement towards North Korea uh, through these international waters. Uh, the questions remain, obviously, with why North Korea reacted in um, what I think a lot of people here and maybe around the world is um, a bit of a bizarre way mm-hmm. of handling uh, this situation. Needless to say, if you if you shoot your own civilian again, and and if you if you burn that body, this it's going to elicit a, a negative reaction, mm-hmm. and that's uh, really what the uh, South Korean governmental response has been so far. So before we go forward, uh, let's hear what one government official had to say. 우리 군은 다양한 첩보를 정밀 분석한 결과, 북한이 북측 해역에서 발견된 우리 국민에 대해 총격을 가하고 시신을 불태우는 만행을 저질렀음을 확인하였습니다. 우리 군은 북한의 이러한 만행을 강력히 규탄하고 이에 대한 북한의 해명과 책임자 처벌을 강력히 촉구한다. 
So An Young Ho, this is the uh, individual. He is an official uh, for for the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, basically saying that they they did do the analysis of these uh, intelligence sources, uh, and indeed they've confirmed that uh, North Korea shot and. Uh, burned this uh, South Korean national government uh, official uh, in the northern uh, side of the uh, international waters. Uh, They, of course, strongly condemn these atrocities and are demanding that North Korea come up with some kind of explanation of what Mm -hmm. exactly happened, why uh, this did occur, and also to uh, hold responsible uh, those who uh, laid down the orders and also committed uh, this act. And then, uh, as I had mentioned, uh, President Moon Jae-in, I think, felt compelled that he had to have his own say on this as well. Mm -hmm. Basically reiterating the same sentiment, President Moon Jae-in called the killing a shocking incident and that the North must take, quote, responsible measures over the attack. The National Security Council said that the shooting and burning the corpse of our unarmed citizen who showed no signs of resistance cannot be justified and that the military action is in violation of international regulations. Now, on Wednesday's Hall had sent a message to Pyongyang through the communication channel between the U.S.-led United Nations Command to North Korea. But Pyongyang has not given any response so far, and there has been no mention of the incident in its state media either. Uh, We're going to imagine that uh, they're not going to be able to stay silent on this uh, indefinitely. And Mm -hmm. you could maybe expect that some reaction might be, well, there was this infiltration from North Korea, uh, from South Korea, and uh, this was a belligerent act and and something like that if they're going to heat up the rhetoric. But uh, perhaps cooler heads will prevail and there will be some kind of reasonable explanation and maybe even some uh, sense of atonement uh, for what happened It's interesting here because let's get into now, I guess, what would be a bit more of the speculative aspects Mm -hmm. of this. Uh, Fishermen of Yunpyeong Island, where the uh, South Korean official went missing. Now, these are not people who are necessarily involved with the government like this uh, individual apparently Mm -hmm. was. Uh, They are just simply people who make their living catching fish in these waters. Mm -hmm. But they know the condition of generally the the nature of Mm -hmm. this area. Uh, They've actually raised some questions as to, again, with the facts that have been confirmed, how some things don't really make sense, right? Yeah, so the questions surround whether the fisheries official was really trying to defect to the north, given the timing of the tides. So when the Korean official was reported missing, this was around 1pm on Monday, it was low tide at Yeonpyeong, and water movement was at the bare minimum. So that was the timing of the day. Fishermen say that the timing of the month is a little off too because Monday is the beginning of a low tidal range, meaning that it would have been very difficult, almost impossible timing-wise, for the fisheries official to swim to North Korean shore on his own. Now, of course, the fisheries official is no stranger to such knowledge of the sea. He had served in his post since 2012 and was well aware of the geographical features in the Yellow Sea region, such as the sea current. Meanwhile, a Yeonpyeong Island fishing village chief, Pak Taewon, he said that even if it's North Korea, it's hard to understand why they would shoot a drifted person without proper questioning. And some fishermen went further and raised the possibility that the official was already dead upon discovery by North Koreans. Right. So these are all, again, um, bits of speculation from these various fishermen. Uh, They have an idea of what goes on there. Uh, What they are citing is, uh, physically speaking, um, especially somebody who is a a maritime official who knows Mm -hmm. uh, the area well and knows the pattern of the tides, that it doesn't seem feasible that they would attempt to make this kind of Mm -hmm. um, journey. And uh, just from the 
physical aspects of it. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure he's he's a much you know a much more sturdy and um, uh, physically fit person than I am. Uh, someone like me, this person is this individual who kind of uh, uh, made this attempt is a little bit older than I am. I could mm-hmm. not in for you know in the remotest possibility conceive. trying to swim across to to North Korea uh, through these treacherous waters at that time. Yet Mm -hmm. uh, this person made that bold step. Again, it was not under duress apparently, but you wonder if he was of sound mind and body Mm -hmm. when he was attempting this. And again, this uh, possibility of was he already uh, perhaps, um, did he already succumb to to the waters? Was he already drowned Mm -hmm. when they had found him? There is precedent for people coming to... to the south from the north defectors mm-hmm. and people who have tried to go into North Korea as well. And you usually have a case of, for propaganda purposes, of people welcoming defectors. That mm-hmm. has been the case during the Cold War and up through mo- the modern era. So again, it does kind of raise some eyebrows as why this very extreme reaction from, south, uh, from North Korea, including the burning of the body. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that uh, a lot of people are rightly condemning, but at the same time, um, not necessarily as a justification, if North Korea did this, and knowing that uh, that it would raise the ire of South Korea and the international community, perhaps it's something to do with some kind of policy. They have this uh, uh, apparently uh, shoot-to-kill policy. Right, so this shoot-to-kill policy, it's part of Pyongyang's efforts to ensure that the country remains unaffected by the coronavirus. North Korea claims that there has not been a single case there so far, And the country closed its border with China back in January. And in July, the North Korean state media said that the country had raised its state of emergency to the maximum level. Now, last month, U.S. Forces Korea Commander General Robert Abrams, he said that the North introduced a new buffer zone of one to two kilometers in its border with China and deployed special operations forces with orders to shoot to kill against those crossing the border. with the sole purpose of preventing anyone Mm -hmm. with potentially carrying the coronavirus entering North Korea. Now, it is yet to be confirmed whether there are similar orders for those crossing the inter-Korean border. North Korea is preparing for a huge military parade on October 10th to mark the 75th anniversary of the foundation of the ruling Workers' Party. And this parade is going to be a huge potential virus risk. And some experts on North Korean matters believe that Pyongyang has heightened its quarantine efforts with this parade in mind. Right. And not to be too flippant about the situation, but if, as North Korea claims, they have zero coronavirus cases, it shouldn't really matter how many people decide to gather for a parade since uh, there would not be a risk of an outbreak. Uh, If there were zero recorded cases here in South Korea, we probably wouldn't be so upset at these uh, far right groups, you know, gathering Gathering. in in Mm -hmm. Kwangamun. That being said, uh, they do seem to be, as you say, uh, very sensitive about uh, making sure that there are no uh, entries into the country with potential risk of coronavirus infections. Uh, If we recall last July, there was Mm -hmm. another defection that had occurred where a man just simply walked into the border. It was a huge kind of security crisis where there were a lot of recriminations for the defense ministry as to how was that possible? Mm -hmm. How is the border so uh, unfortified that Mm -hmm. people can actually just go back and forth like that? But 
that case also uh, apparently in the north raised a lot of concerns with a potential coronavirus infection. Yeah. Um, some, I think, now debunked speculation that that individual had tested positive for coronavirus uh, there, uh, but uh, again, not independently uh, confirmed. Obviously, uh, still a lot we don't know, and uh, more details will be forthcoming, but uh, certainly there is a lot of... Uh, political back and forth uh, with this aspect of a story as well. So we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, let's turn to our next story here, Misorang. Um, something that uh, we've been talking about in the past as well. These uh, fourth-year medical students mm-hmm. have uh, deigned to grace us with their presence and expressed their intention to now uh, take the state licensing exam. Right, so this comes after they had boycotted the exam held earlier this month in protest of the government's medical workforce reform plan. A statement released by a group of 40 medical students at medical schools across the country reads, We express our intention to return to take the national licensing exam, given that the nation is expected to suffer a shortage of doctors in the prolonged COVID-19 pandemic. So that was their statement. The Mm -hmm. health ministry did not back down. They reiterated its earlier stance that it was too late and that the medical students will not be allowed to retake the exam because that would be unfair. The ministry said that the government's stance has not changed and that it is not possible to grant them another chance for the exam just because they expressed a willingness to take the test. Public opinion is overwhelmingly negative toward giving an extra chance. On Chongwade's website, a petition against accepting late applicants has drawn over 570,000 supporters. Doctors and the government have been at odds over whether to give fourth-year medical students another chance to sit the licensing exam, with doctors insisting that students be allowed to take the test even if they did not register before the deadline. But the government has rejected such rescue measures, especially given that it had already extended the application for the deadline two times. The students' expression of intent to sit the exam comes 18 days after the final extension deadline of August 6th. Right, so people who are a bit less sympathetic to the plight of these medical students are saying, well, just take it next year since uh, it is an annual exam and that's uh, what Mm -hmm. you can do. And as you point out with the government already having extended the deadline by two times, there's some nuance with what the government has responded, basically saying that uh, the test cannot just be taken simply because the uh, students have changed their mind. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, unspoken in that statement is the fact that uh, there have been now growing calls that There needs to be some kind of nationwide apology to to Uh patients uh, in the nation uh, for what the country has been put through with Mm -hmm. this standoff with the the doctors as well as the medical students and interns and residents uh, in opposition to the uh, proposed government policy of expanding um, uh, admissions to med schools and these other various reform measures. And so... The the statement by the students group where they kind of just say, well, you guys are running short of doctors, so you guys seem to be in a bit of a pickle, so uh, we'll, we'll take we'll the exam, you know, yeah, you. you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And so that, that doesn't seem necessarily, again, PR-wise, doesn't mm-hmm. seem like the most persuasive way to have public opinion. And it does feel like the government's hands is, unless... Public opinion, and that might be subjective, but if you, as you say, um, talk about Blue House petitions and Mm -hmm. um, recent polling, unless the public can be sort of a little bit more forgiving and accepting of what the students have done, um, there probably isn't going to be a change in the status quo. And it does feel like the students probably should recognize that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even if you look at the media coverage of this, or for example, online uh, press coverage, 
Regardless of where they stand in the progressive to conservative spectrum, a lot of the headlines say include the part that says without any apology. Yeah. yeah. So that does seem to be a big factor for public sentiment that yeah. they have not apologized for their actions. And a lot of this, again, um, there are opinions abounding, but uh, there has been some speculation raised that a lot of these students, again, um, uh, usually uh, from some kind of elite or privileged background, The the fact that you are a med student does give you a little bit of leeway and exemption from military service. And so some of the Mm -hmm. parents have been raising these concerns that if they are not allowed to take this exam, Mm -hmm. that limbo, that grace period of having to go and register for military service then becomes a big looming issue, at least for the male medical Mm -hmm. students. And that's another factor why they've kind of gotten some cold feet now in the the defiance uh, against the government with these exams, right? Another reason for the cold feet might just be the fact that because they have crammed so much information in their brains... Waiting for another year, a lot of the information is going to evaporate. Well, yeah. (laughs) I I don't know how many people are shedding tears over that uh, (laughs) difficulty that uh, will be going on. But again, uh, the non-apology right now does seem to be a main sticking point. And that does look like then the the med students will have to make some kind of strategic decision if they are determined uh, to uh, take this test uh, uh, this year. Let's move on to the opposition, the People's Power Party. Uh, deciding on their party colors, also revealing a new logo, but apparently this does not come with unanimous consent from their own party members. Yeah, so the new party colors are scarlet red, light blue, and white. So red is the main color, while blue and white are used in a supplementary manner. Their new logo is a red hexagon. It kind of looks like a 2D rendition of a Mm -hmm. cube if you look at it from a 45-degree angle. Mm Now, according to People Power Party, their new party identity reflects their will to go beyond the ideological binary of conservatives and progressives and become an inclusive party that unites people. The use of three colors is meant to reflect diversity among the citizens. The party had originally planned to use yellow as one of the two supplementary colors instead of white, but that option was discarded after some key members, including Emergency Countermeasures Chairman Kim Jong-in, expressed a preference for white over yellow. Numerous party lawmakers, especially those that were newly elected this time, they wanted to keep the current pink colour, but the Emergency Committee rejected this route as they wanted to change the party image and start over. Lawmaker Chang Jae-won, meanwhile, wrote a Facebook post accusing Kim Jong-in of being obsessive about changing the party color and hinted that the color change was a top-down decision that went against majority opinion. Yeah, uh, with comparison to the North Korean security worries, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, economic fallout, this is probably lower on the priority list for mm-hmm. a lot of people, but it does show, it illustrates that the opposition is still kind of trying to find its footing uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, what their strategies are going forward. We have time for one more story here, some diplomatic news. President Moon Jae-in did have a, a 20-minute phone call with the uh, new Japanese Prime Minister Yoshida Suga saying the two countries should find some kind of resolution for this uh, wartime labor issue. Mm-hmm. So this month their first phone call since Suga took office from Shinzo Abe, who resigned for health reasons. Moon noted that the two sides have different positions on the issue of South Korean victims of Japan's forced labor during World War II and expressed hope that Seoul and Tokyo will find a, quote, optimum solution that can be accepted by all parties concerned. Suga, in turn, agreed to, quote, encourage dialogue efforts to that end. Now, after the phone call, Suga held his own press briefing on his talk with Moon. And of note to the Korean press during this press briefing, Suga said that the two countries are extremely 
ukiwamete, important to mm. each other. This is considered a step above what his predecessor Abe had used. Abe had used the expression mutomo, which means the most important. Abe called Korea the most important neighbor to Japan. At the same time, Suga told reporters that his government would continue to urge South Korea to take appropriate action to address the forced labor and compensation issue, implying that the ball is in South Korea's court. Well, dropping that Japanese language knowledge, very impressive, and uh, we thank you for all of that. Uh, Mi Sorang, have a good weekend, and talk to you again next week. Thank you.